But, uh, man, there was a, a line in that song that reminded me of something that I was told back in college when I was in uh, Bible school. And it talks about the, this overflowing joy that, that goes within you, and it begins to, to overflow and, and spill out. And, you know, it was one of those times where, you know, you're going through something really hard, and it had been a really long time that I'd been going through it. And I had several guys, like, you know, pray over me, and, you know, it really broke something in me. And I began to feel a joy I hadn't experienced in a really long time. And what he shared with me, one of the guys shared with me afterwards, is like, you know, God sees you as the, like, I saw this picture of this cup. And it was this cup that was being continually filled up. But the enemy would continually knock it over and spill it out everywhere. And he said, at some point in time in your life, you're going to be able to keep that cup up and that joy is going to be able to spill out and begin to affect those that are around you. So I believe that not just for myself, but I believe that for all of you in this room, that the joy that God is trying to fill you, fill up in your life, eventually the enemy is not going to be able to knock that down because God's got you, there's strength in you, and there's a joy that God wants to be able to use to overfill and spill out into the lives of those that are around you. So I just want to, you know, that was spoken over me. I want to speak that over you as well, uh, is that don't let the enemy keep stealing your joy. Don't let him keep knocking it over. Allow God to fill you up and allow that joy to spill out uh, to those that are around you and watch the way that it begins to influence and change those that, that you come in contact with. But I want to uh, start off with uh, prayer and then uh, we'll get started. So, Father God, I want to thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for the, the joy that you fill us with, the joy of this season, the fact that you are always with us. God, I pray for all of us in this room that, you know, as many times as the enemy has tried to, to wipe away our joy, to take away the, what you are trying to fill us with, I pray against the enemy with that. And, Lord, that that cup would stand strong and it would begin to overflow and, Lord, that people around us would begin to see the joy that you are putting in us. And, God, that it would begin to make a difference. It would begin to, to uh, get into their lives and, Lord, begin to fill their cups. And, Lord, we would begin to see amazing things through the joy and the hope that you give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we get started, we do have a study guide on the back table and the side table over here. If you'd like to get a little bit more, uh, dive, or deep, dive deeper into the lesson this morning, you can get uh, those. But, uh, you know, I always thought it was interesting when you read the Ten Commandments, right? There's a lot of really heavy things in there, you know, don't use the Lord's name in vain, don't uh, worship any other gods, don't have idols, don't kill anybody, don't have sex outside of marriage, don't lie, don't steal, and then there's obey your parents. Do you guys ever think about that? It just seems really weird as you begin to, to look at the, the Ten Commandments, and it just seems really out of place because it's like, thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall. But it, it's interesting because I point that out because a lot of the times our parents ask us to do things that we don't really want to do. Anybody in this room? Your parent ever asked you to do something you really didn't want to do it? And, you know, sometimes we do it, sometimes we fight, and then we still end up doing it anyway. And if we don't do it, then there's worse consequences. But one of those things for me is I, 
I'm sorry, I apologize to everybody in the room. I'm not a big animal person. If you want to talk to me about it afterwards, we can talk about it afterwards. But one of my jobs as, as a kid was I had to clean up all the dog poop in the yard. I already don't like animals in, the, in that way or very much. So the fact that I had to go up and clean up their, their poop uh, was not very exciting to me. And I hated that job passionately because we had three dogs. So there was a lot in the yard. But, you know, it's, I would still go out and I would do it. I would take care of my job. And, you know, the longer I didn't do it, the more I had to clean up. So it was worse the longer I would hold off in, in doing it. But we can also think the same thing. There's a lot of times that God asks us to do things that we don't want to do. And there's many stories in the Bible where we read about God asking somebody to do something that they really didn't want to do. I mean, think about the idea of Noah, right? Who wants to build a giant boat in the middle of nowhere where there's no water around? I don't think he would really want to do that. How many of you in this room would want to do that? Probably not. It's a long time and it's a lot of work. And then you had to go and get all the animals and load them all up and make sure you had enough food and all that kind of stuff in the ark. It just sounds like a lot of work. Hosea, can you imagine if God asked you to marry a prostitute? I mean, that's, that's kind of a, a big thing. And, and just the idea that he had to continually remain faithful to his wife despite her continually having children with other men. Or Isaiah. Isaiah was asked to walk around naked for three years. I don't think any of us in this room would really like to walk around naked for three years. I definitely would not like to do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. But anyway, uh, there's a lot of times in life where God will ask us to do it, and it doesn't always make sense, and it doesn't mean that we always want to do it. But I want you guys to take away the, the message this morning. is called, Obedience is Life-Changing. When we begin to obey God and follow the things that he says, that can begin to change our lives, but not just change our lives, change the lives of those that are around us. Proverbs chapter 3 is where we'll start today. We'll spend most of the time in Luke chapter 1 today, but starting in verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. When we step into a place of obedience, we can find healing. Because when we begin to step into that place of obedience of what God is calling us to, we are stepping into our purpose and the plan that he has for our lives, and it can begin to heal us. It can begin to heal those that are around us. But sometimes it's really hard to understand what God is doing. Would you guys agree? How many of you would say right now you're going through something and you're just like, God, I don't understand what's going on. We can look at our lives and ask God, are you really with me? We can begin to look at all of the stuff that's going on in our lives, all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the, the unanswered questions, and begin to ask God, are you really here with me? I know I've asked that question, because God, it really doesn't feel like you're here. 
Many of us have a hard time looking past what's happening right now. Most of us in this room, I would say, we have a really hard time looking down to see what God is trying to do or, or trust in what God is doing. And just as Tyler talked about last week, it's in the waiting. Sometimes the waiting stinks. Sometimes we begin to ask God, hey, when is this going to be happening? He's like, no, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. And it can be really, really difficult to look beyond and trust where God is taking you through this time. But God sees everything and where it's going and where it will all end. This is a, this is a really hard statement for us to, you know, we can say that we believe it, but we don't always act out that we believe it. That if we really trust in God, that he knows everything that's going to happen. He knows where everything is going to end. Why do we continue to try to struggle to handle it ourselves and try to get through it by ourselves? Ultimately, I would rather trust the person with the map than somebody that's just trying to wander around. And we often are those people that are just wandering around. But the map has a clear destination. God is looking at the map of our lives, and he can see exactly where it's going. He sees the X on the map, and he said, this is the direction we're going. I see where it ends. Please trust in me. <laughs> you know, we can, always, we can always say, God, I really don't understand what you're doing, but hey, I trust in you. And sometimes we can get to that point where we're just like, I don't know what's going on, but God, I have no other choice but to trust in you. And I think that's exactly where he wants us. He wants us to get to that place where it's like, God, I, 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 don't, know what to, I don't know what to do. There's nothing in my human mind that I could understand what is happening in my life. So God, I have to trust in you. And God's like, perfect. Now you're exactly where I want you. When we trust in God with our lives, there are many chances for healing and for God to do some amazing things, especially when it's according to his plan and not ours. Imagine how different our lives would be if we would stop fighting God and begin to give into his plans. Imagine how different our, our struggles would be if we would stop fighting God and begin to put our lives and our trust in his plans for, for us. So this brings us to our story for the day. Starting in Luke chapter 1, verses 26. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus." He will be great and he and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom 
there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Imagine this. So Mary, they believe that she, you know, she was around 16 years old. She had never been with a man. An angel shows up and says, hey, you're going to become pregnant with the Savior of the world. That's a big bomb. Can you imagine that? She's just there by herself. This angel shows up. She's terrified. She's like, I don't know what this is about. Hey, God sees favor in you. So what he's going to do is he's going to put the Savior of the world, and you are going to take care of it in your womb. Okay. God can ask us to do something that seems impossible to us. In this situation, obviously, there seems to be an impossibility. And Mary even goes to the point saying, how is this even possible? Because I am a virgin. But it can be really difficult to ask God what he wants us to do. Do you ever shy away from that question? Do you ever shy away from asking God, really, what do you want me to do with my life? What do you want me to, to go, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? A lot of the times we can shy away from that question because we most likely aren't going to like the answer. Would you guys agree? That it can be really difficult to ask God because sometimes he's going to ask us to do really difficult things. Some things that God asks us to do can be really scary and outside of our norm. I can say I never expected myself to be on a stage speaking to people. This is not a gift I ever thought that I would have in my life. I was the shy kid that didn't talk to anybody in school. The only time I would really talk to people is if the teacher would call on me, and that was only about 50-50 there. Or at home. I didn't expect to be in a place where God would call me to be speaking in front of people. This terrifies me. But when we can be obedient to God and see through the impossibilities or the things that we think are impossible, God can begin to work and do amazing things through the impossible. And sometimes it, these things that he asks us to do, we think that we cannot do it and that there, it is completely impossible. I can imagine there's been times where God has asked you to do something. You're like, there is no way that I can do that. That is not even possible in this world to do. God, why are you asking me to do this? Because I don't understand even how to begin. Again, God's like, perfect. Now you're where I want you. And it's okay to ask God, how can I do this? Sometimes I, we get to that place where we're like, can I really ask God if it's like okay? Is it okay to like question God? I think he's okay with us beginning to ask, how can I do this? I don't even know where to go. I don't know what to do. And when we get to that place where we don't understand, this is where our faith can grow. When we say, God, I, I trust in you. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't understand the situation. I don't understand what you're asking me to do. 
this is where we can begin to step out in faith and trust God to do things that we've never seen before or things that we've never done before. Up to this point, I can imagine there's nobody that got pregnant without doing the deed first. But at this point in time, he asked Mary to do that. And Mary, you know, just getting to that point where she asked, God, how is this possible? And then the angel responds with this in Luke chapter 1, 35. It says, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Okay, right here, God is beginning to answer how he can do the impossible. He is reassuring Mary because he's talking, hey, your cousin Elizabeth, who's been called barren her whole life, saying that she will never have a child. She is now six months into her pregnancy. I am the God of the impossible. He's giving her reassurance, not just saying, hey, the Holy Spirit is going to show up, but I also want to give you this information to show you that I can do things that the world says that you can't do. For nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Nothing is impossible with God. Do we believe that? Do we believe that, church, that nothing with God is impossible, that he can do all things? God can use you in whatever way he calls you to. Sometimes we need a reminder that he is the God of the impossible. We just need to say yes. We just need to say yes and we can begin to see the way that God works in our lives. God works in the situation. God begins to move. God begins to shake things up. God begins to do incredible things because we said yes. God is not afraid of your questions. God is not afraid when you begin to say, how is this possible? How can I do this? He answers those questions. And I love just in, in this passage how Mary's like, how is this possible? Because I'm a virgin. And he goes on to say, hey, you, you, you see your, your cousin Elizabeth, she's pregnant. She was supposed to be barren. That was supposed to be an impossibility. If I can do impossible things like that, I can do that impossible too. There's nothing that is impossible to me. When we are asked to do the impossible, we can forget that God created the universe with words. He stopped the sun in the sky. He healed the blind and the disabled. He caused limbs to grow and he raised the dead. All impossibilities. But yet God did all of those things. So why is it that we have a hard time believing when God asked us to step outside of our comfort zones? Why is it that we have a hard time believing when God asked us to do something? We think that it's impossible. 
If God asks us to do it, he's going to set us up to do it. Sometimes the things he asks us to do will change the way that people look at us. And I think that's a huge reason that we step back when God asks us to do stuff. We're scared of the judgment, the persecution. We're scared of the way that people are going to look at us. Because think about the idea. Back in that time, if you were caught in a place of adultery, you could be stoned to death. So the fact that Mary was pregnant and she wasn't married, she can now look as though she had adultery. So the fact that, you know, she could have said no in this situation because of of the fear of what could happen to her, that she could be killed if somebody would find out that she was pregnant outside of marriage. You know, we can be scared of the consequences of the way that the world is going to treat us or what the world is going to do to us or what our family is going to do to us if we say yes to God. But we can't be afraid of those consequences. We can't be afraid of what could be because ultimately if God is asking us to do it, he's going to begin to set things up and move things in a direction where those things shouldn't happen to us. You know, if they do, God's got a bigger plan beyond that. Can you imagine this situation with Mary? Can you imagine just the thought of, man, what, how is Joseph going to react? All of the different thoughts that begin to, to go through, through Mary's head as she says yes in this situation. But I I love this next part of the story in Luke chapter 139. It says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Mary saying yes to God, being pregnant with Jesus, walks into a room just through a greeting. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the baby leaped in the womb at the presence of Jesus, still in the belly of Mary. We never know how God is going to use our yeses to affect others. Because of Mary saying yes and then going to see Elizabeth and greeting her, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. When we begin to say yes to God in our obedience, we can help others to have an experience with the Holy Spirit. When we are obedient and we go with the Holy Spirit, when we go with Jesus, we can help others to have an experience with the Holy Spirit through our obedience and watch the way that lives can be changed when the Holy Spirit begins to bring revelation and truth to those that are around. Not exactly like Mary, but we as Christians, we carry Jesus wherever we go. 
We carry Jesus within us. When we say yes to God in the moment to say, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. When we say that, yes, we carry Jesus wherever we go. And whenever we come in contact with somebody, we have the ability and the chance to help them to come and have an encounter with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. This is exciting, church. This is exciting that when we say yes to God, that lives can absolutely be changed. Our lives can be changed. Others' lives can be changed. And people will begin to take notice of those who have Jesus in their lives. I love that it was just simply, I don't know, something about this passage and just the idea of just her greeting had that much of an effect. Our words and the things that we say matter. The way that we approach people, the way that we, we carry Jesus, the way that we bring Jesus to other people makes a difference. And we can never know the impact of our yes and what it will make on this world. We never know what one yes, how far the ripple effect can begin to happen. We have no idea how much our yes will make a difference in the lives of one, two, three, hundreds, thousands of people. But if we're ever too scared to say yes, we can never know how far that yes can go in this world. And you know, if, if Mary had fears of what Joseph and how he would respond, there is a right to, to be scared about that. Because we look at the way that, that Joseph initially responds in Matthew chapter 1. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a man and unwilling to uh, put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So when Joseph initially found out that Mary was, was pregnant, he was going to divorce her. He was going to, to leave her thinking that she had cheated on him. So yes, there, there can be an initial response when we begin to, to step into what Jesus has, has asked us to do when we say yes. But let's take a look at what happened here. It says, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to, to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Remember we talked about at the beginning when we're going through different things in our lives and we don't understand it, we begin to say, God, are you here? Are you with me? We call Jesus Emmanuel, which means that God is with us. God is always with us. For when Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. 
So this story, as we begin to, to read, and this story begins to, to unfold, the, the first impossibility of, of the angel coming to Mary and asking her to, to do this thing, it took one yes. But then it also took a second yes. Joseph, you know, in, in his fear and, and with, you know, the idea that, that she had cheated, he was ready to divorce her. But when the angel came and said, hey, this is from God. This is something that, that God did. This is in her obedience. God found favor in this woman, so you should too. And through that, Joseph responded with another yes. And through the obedience of two people, the Savior of the world was brought into the world, and we are all forever changed. Because of the obedience of two people, we now today, over 2,000 years later, are still being affected by the yeses of two people. 2,000 years later, because Mary and Joseph said yes to God, we all have Jesus Christ in our lives. Think about that for a minute. How far could your yes reverberate? How far could your yes make a difference in this world? God can use a simple three-letter word to make change the whole world. And God could use two people that had nothing, that didn't expect any of this. But because they said yes, Jesus entered the world. But imagine if Mary would have said no. If Mary would have said no in this situation as God asked her, hey, would you do this? And she's like, no, I'm too scared of the, uh, of the shame and the judgment that could come on me. I'm too scared of, of what, the way that people would respond to me. I'm too scared of, of what people will think if they see that I'm pregnant and I'm not married. But she didn't. She didn't say no despite those things. Imagine if Joseph, who was in the line of David, which we talked about last week, right? The idea of going through the, the lineage of, of Jesus and going through all of the genealogies and, and the, the prophecy that Jesus was going to be gone through the line of David. Imagine if Mary said yes, Joseph said no. What would have happened there? Would Jesus not have been born in the line of David, therefore making God's word and prophecy invalid? But Joseph also said yes. And through his yes, there was many things that Joseph got to do. You don't hear like too much about him like much after this, other than the fact of how often he continually protected and watched over Jesus. And that was the role that to, to keep him away from those that were trying to take his life before it was time. Our yeses can make a difference in the lives of anybody around us. Through the obedience of, of these two people, God's promise was fulfilled, and God entered the world in the form of a baby. 
That's crazy. <laughs> the fact that God, through the obedience of two people saying yes to him, was able to come to this world in the form of a baby, live his life, doing many miraculous things, dying on the cross and raising from the dead. How big of an impact can your yes make? I want to tell you this. If one life can come to salvation because of your yes, you've changed the world too. If you can say yes when God calls you to do the impossible, if you can do say yes to when God asks you to do something that's outside your comfort zone or outside of your norm, and one person comes to know who Jesus Christ is, their personal Savior, you have changed the world. I want to invite the, the band to, to come back up. <coughs> I want to close out with, with this scripture, and I have a few questions for us to think about. Luke chapter 11, verse 28 says, But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And instead of, of keep there, many translations actually say obey. But blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. when we're willing to obey what God has asked us to do, and there's many things that as we read our Bibles, we can see where God asks us to do incredible things, where God asks us to do uncomfortable things, where God asks us to do impossible things. And if we say yes, God is going to be there with us, and he's going to begin to move and shake and do incredible things. So no matter where you are in life, no matter what you've done, if God has asked you to do something, he can use you to make a difference. Sometimes when we're in the midst of, of the waiting and we're waiting to, to see what God is doing, sometimes we can forget what God has asked us to do last. And sometimes we're in that place of waiting because we've never responded and we weren't obedient to what God has asked us to do last. So what has God been asking you to do? What is the thing that God has asked you to do last that you've been pushing off or fighting or, or, or not going after? Where have you been reluctant to step out in your faith? And God asking you to do it, why, what is holding you back? Why are you saying, I can't do that? I, I don't want to do that. What is it? What is the reluctancy behind the idea? Because there could be somebody in this world that's waiting for your yes. And because when you say yes, their lives can be changed. Their lives can be healed. Their families can be changed. They can find hope. They can decide not to end their life. They can find freedom. And where have you said yes in your past? Where have you said yes to God and what happened? What happened when you said yes to God? Because sometimes we can easily begin to forget the way that God has moved in our lives before. We can begin to forget the way that God has used us before.
So sometimes it's good to remember how God has used us in the past so that way we can remember that he can still use us now. But when we begin to say yes, we can understand that obedience is absolutely life-changing. Because now when we say yes, we have stepped into our purpose and plan that God has for each and every one of us. And imagine if it wasn't just a few that said yes, but all of us began to say yes. Think about the magnitude and the difference that would make. So let's as a church say yes, and us as individuals begin to say yes. Jesus, do what you want. Let me pray for you. Father God, I just want to thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you that even in the midst of asking us to do difficult or hard things, God, the things that we think that we can't accomplish or we can't do, Lord, I pray that our faith in you would rise above that and we would begin to see the way that you can use each of us, that none of us are too far gone, none of us have done too much because, God, you are the God of the impossible. That when you died and you wiped away all of our sins, you cleansed us and we can be used in a mighty way for you. So, Lord, I pray that we would stop fighting. I pray that we would think about the way that you talk to us and what you have said to us. And, Lord, as we begin to, to push forward and we respond in obedience to you, God, that lives around us would begin to change, that family members' lives would be changed that friends would be changed, that strangers would be changed, that co-workers would be changed because of the joy that you have filled within us. Lord, I pray again that the enemy would stop talk, knocking down that joy, but Lord, that we would be able to continue to experience that joy, and as we begin to experience that joy, that it would overflow, and we would begin to respond in a way that people find you. Lord, that when we walk into a room and we begin to greet people, that they would know that something different, that they would be able to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, that they would be able to have an encounter with Jesus. And I pray that we would carry Jesus well. So God, I just want to thank you that you are willing to use us as broken people. Us that have failed you many times, but yet you still say, I can use you. So God, I pray that we would respond in turn and say yes to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.